Welcome. You're about to hear an inspirational message by David Entry. May your faith increase and your heart be stirred towards God as you listen to this life-transforming message. Press subscribe so you're the first to know when the messages are released. Blessed are your ears for the things they hear. In uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Let's all read it aloud. Let's go. Um, I don't like something. It doesn't make sense because it starts with but. Or as we say it in Lagos, but. <laughs> Is it not so but? But. <laughs> um, so let's go before we come to the but. Good. Even that for. <laughs> so let, let's go further. Let's hope we get a word that. Oh, another four. Oh. You see why people can take the Bible out of context? Because they start their interpretation with four. And with, and with but. And because. Because. All right, let's go back. Let's, let's hope we will find something that. Now, hope does not disappoint. Do you know what that means? Most people who commit suicide, they don't have hope. When you have hope, you know it's better. It will be okay. So when you know it will be okay, how can you say I'm disappointed because it won't be okay? You already know it will be okay. Hope does not disappoint. That's why you cannot be a hopeless Christian. You cannot be a Christian without hope. Every Christian has hope. And our hope as Christian comes from the word of God. Now, oh, this, this, Pastor, I'm getting, I'm getting into trouble now. I'm going to another scripture. We haven't even gone anywhere with this one. You like the scriptures? So, so I can quote any further scripture. In Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 6, when you read from verse 14, 15, 16, particularly 16. Bible says that so that by two immutable things. Now, God saying, surely this God, what said Abraham, I don't want to go back because it will take us to something else. <laughs> okay. So, all right, let's go back. Just one, 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 one step back, one step back, one step back. So, and so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Talking about Abraham. He said, be, don't be slothful. Verse 12. Don't be slothful. But be ye follower of those who through faith and patience that you do not become sluggish. Okay, sluggish means lazy. I was going to King James. So do not be slothful, King James. Um, but not, they not, that they not be slothful. This is why I said the pastor, tell the people, they not be slothful. But what should they do? Follow as for me, I'm not following anybody. I'm following Jesus. You don't read your Bible. You don't read your Bible. You don't read your Bible. What do you mean by you're following Jesus? Why is he? <laughs> When's the last time you saw him? <laughs> oh, but he's been speaking to me. You are lying. They're spirits. Spirits have been speaking to you. 
Because this is the way he's been speaking. Sure word of prophecy. Some people were with him on the mountain. And they saw. And God, God said, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Matthew chapter 17 from verse 3 downwards. I'm going to another scripture. It's getting into trouble now. Hear ye him. And then Bible says that they, Jesus, uh, God said, this is my beloved son. Hear him. They, 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 and uh, uh, Peter said, uh, before he said, hear him. Peter said, let us build tabernacle here. One for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus. Because the Bible says that fear fell on them. The, the, Jesus' clothes became as white, brighter than this. Tesling white. Piercing his glory now, the glory inside him. Pierced through the body. So the, for the first time, they say, oh no, that's why God didn't come down. He has to come like Jesus. Because if he has come, you can't see him. You, everybody will run away. If God shows up, a lot of people will run away. <laughs> so you can't see God and feel comfortable because God in his glory, Moses said, Father, show me your glory. And then I want to see. He said, God said, no one sees me and leave. No one can see me and leave. Yeah, in Exodus chapter 30, 33, from verse 14, 15, somewhere there. So you can't see me and leave. So he said, you, I will show you my glory. I, I will let, I will, you know, he says, then show me your glory. And he said, no, I'll just let my goodness pass before you. And before it even comes, I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock so that you won't see it. And then my goodness will pass by. Then after I pass by, you just see my backside. <laughs> I will, and I'll hide you in the rock so that when my, so you can't see God. The first time they said, we want to hear from God. God spoke to them. They begged Moses. We don't want to hear this thunder again. They literally begged. They begged that. This is too strange. So you can't see. So God, for, but God wants to relate with you. So he has to come like you. God, Jesus. So don't mind the people who think they are so smart. They are not smarter than God. God decided, I want to relate with you, but you can't receive me. So I have to come in a way you can receive me. So he came, he came on earth and called himself Jesus. Jesus is God in human, captured in him. So Bible says that Jesus Christ is the express image of the person of God. When you see Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, when you see, Jesus said to them in John chapter 14, when you see me, you have seen the Father because there's no difference. When you see me, God radiates through me. The, 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 the only way or the easiest way the human mind, human eye, human intelligence or the human sense can capture God is in Jesus. So he said, if you have seen me, you have seen God. That's the old closest you can even see God. So God told Moses that no one can see me and leave. And then he said, let your presence go. I will let my goodness pass by and then only see my back part. So you can't, you can't just see God. So Jesus came to show us God. So the Bible says, as I said, he's the express image of the person of God. So he went to heaven and he gave us the church. And he says that now the church is my body. The church is my body on earth. The, body, the church is the body of Christ. You didn't know that? It's the body of, of Christ. The church, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21, 22, and 23. He raised him above principalities and sat him in the heavenly places and gave him to be the head of the body, which is the church. So the church is the body of Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, I think verse 15 and 16 and 17, somewhere there, it talks about the church being the head 
uh, the, sorry, the church being the body, he being the head of the church, which is his body. Uh, um, by him all things were created that, uh, that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominion or principality or powers, all things were created through him and for him. He is the head of the body, the church. That's verse, verse 18. So Jesus is the head of the body. And what's the, what's the, the body? The church. The church is the body of Christ. So if you want to see Jesus, you have to look at the church. Those who said, ask for me, I don't do church. You are trying to say, I don't do God. They are trying to say, I don't do Christ. There are people who think they are doing God. Anything you try, anything called God you try to do outside of Christ, you are actually worshiping devils. Yeah, that's what um, people don't want to hear. How dare you say Christians? I don't know. We are not saying Christians. We know we are the sons of the true God. <laughs> yes, for we know. I'm a son of God. Whether you like it or not, it doesn't change anything. My opinion doesn't matter when it comes to the truth about your life. You are a PhD holder, and I choose I don't want to believe it. Does it change anything? No. Oh. <laughs> well, so he gave him to be the body of church. Now, Jesus said, the Bible said, that follow those, don't be lazy. It takes, it's hard work to follow people. So the lazy people say, me, I follow Jesus. <laughs> in first corinthians chapter i think 11 verse 1 paul said follow me as i follow christ or in fact he does they follow he said imitate me imitate imitate me just as i also imitate christ he said imitate let's all imitate christ imitate me there, there are people god put ahead of you who must show you the way that's why it takes it's hard for a proud person to get closer to God. Because you, God will make you go through people you think you are better than. And so if you don't want them, then you don't want God. Like I preached, I said, you want to give your life to Christ, raise your hand. And when I was preaching, you know in your heart you want to do it. I said, raise your hand. I said, no, 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 I don't like people to know. You are proud. You are not ready to give your life to Christ. If you are ready to give your life to Christ, you obey him at any cost. So, he said, don't be slothful. Tell someone, don't be lazy. Some of you, your mom has been telling you, you are being lazy. Your dad has been telling you. Now it has followed you to church. Don't be slothful. Don't be lazy. Don't be sluggish. But be followers of them. Who through all, who through patience inherit the promise. So, you have to choose who you are following. And the one you choose to follow, you must watch if they have inherited the promise through faith and patience. So how do you inherit the promise? Promise Through faith and patience. All right. That's not my topic. I've gone very, very far. Way off. Now I have to find my way back. You know, when you go to some shopping center, you get lost, and then you have to find your way back. But we are in a shopping center. <laughs> the next verse why is he saying that because when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater he swore by himself sometimes they say swear that you will, you will do this well when you go to court you have to swear an oath that you speak the truth and you, don't, you swear with something bigger somebody higher now who is higher than God 
See, when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could not swear by no one greater, because there's no one greater. No one greater. So he had to do it by himself. He said, me, myself. So he said, I swear by myself. I will bless you, Abraham. <laughs> so uh, he swore by himself. The next verse. Saying, surely, blessing, I'll bless you. Multiplying, I'll multiply you. Why did he have to do that? So this is telling you, he, when he was blessing Abraham, he swore by himself. Why? So that by two things that cannot be changed, verse 15. So that, saying, and so after he had, Abraham had patiently uh, endured, he obtained. You see, patience, and then he obtained. The next verse. For men in, indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is the end of, um, is for them the end of all. Let's look at it, this particular version, sorry, text in the New Living Translation. Let's see how it will put it so that it can make a bit of sense. Now, when, we, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any questioning, that oath is binding. So I said, I'm swearing I'll do this. And then I call, he's a bigger person, greater. Then listen, I'm swearing before you, I'll do it. As soon as, because now it's binding for me. All right, so God wanted to show that what he has promised, eh, we have a long way to go, because I have to go back to Romans. <laughs> now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath, oath is binding. Now, the next verse says that God also, say God also, bound himself with an oath, with an oath, so that those who receive the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So he has given you the, the promise itself is not breakable. Then he adds an oath. So King James says that, so that by two immutable things, unchanging things, in which it is impossible for God to lie. Watch this. This is why, this is why I came to this text. In which it is possible we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold on what? Lay hold, lay hold upon the hope. You can't be a Christian and say, I don't have hope. We have fled for refuge to lay hold on hope. When God calls you, he shows you your future. He shows you what he has in place for you. He shows you something. So your work with God will always be in hope. In hope. You, if you are going through pain, you go through in hope. If you are paying a price, you go through, you know, you pay it in hope. If you, are being, if you are being faithful in serving in church, you do it in hope. Whatever you are doing, you do it because God is not a man that he should lie. So God will give you a word and it takes faith and patience to lay hold of that hope. So you can't say you're a Christian who doesn't have hope. Now, hope does not make a shame. Romans chapter 5, you know, we are going back to where I came from. Isn't it? Now, hope does not make a shame because when you are a Christian, you always have hope. So, when you are a Christian, there is always hope. When the word of God is preached, one of the things that are predetermined to happen is hope builds up in people. 
when the, you hear the word preached, it builds hope. It gives you hope. Suddenly you, you know that it will be well with you. You know you will make it. You know it, it, you, you, you are not going to be stranded in life. The word of God, one of its, when it's taught in truth, the resource is already predetermined by God. Hope, salvation, deliverance, joy. These are some direct, these are some of the things that happen when true word of God is taught. So a Christian who exposes yourself to hearing God's word on a constant basis can never be hopeless. You can't be so hopeless you want to kill yourself. When someone walks out of your life, the word of God gives you the assurance your future is better than the one who walked out. When things don't go the way you wanted, you, you, you went for an interview, you didn't get it. You don't say, oh, my life is shattered. No, your life can't be shattered. Even when you lose a loved one, you lose a loved one, a mom, a father, a, 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 a mother or somebody precious. We, Christianity comes with hope. So he said these three things remain. Hope, faith, and love. They abide forever. In fact, I taught on the tripod of Christianity. So now, he says that hope, Romans 5, 5, hope maketh not ashamed, for the love of God is shed up. I feel like preaching. <laughs> the love of God, because the love of God is shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Who is giving to us? The next verse. Four. See now, now, now you see the four, the thing that brought the problem for me. Yeah. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for who? That's a very complex statement. But why won't he die for good people? It's in your Bible. He didn't die for the good guys. He died for the bad guys. If you have been bad before, good news. In fact, in the book of um, Luke chapter um, yeah, Luke chapter 19, verse 8 and 9, he said, for I did not come, or 10, I did not come to call the righteous. Yeah. I, the son of man came. No, no, go back. It's, it's, go back. Verse 8. Salvation. Verse, yeah. I give half of my possessions. And I, okay, read for it. All right, go to the next verse. Verse 9. Jesus said, today salvation has come to you. Because she says, okay, then the verse 10. But I think the Mark chapter 2 verse 17 is better. Where it talks about, I think Mark 2 17. The son of man did not come for the righteous. He came to save the sinners. That's a serious statement. Jesus came to come and save the sinners. He came for the sinners. Not for the good guys. I think I preached a message in the lockdown. Yeah, uh, the bad guys. Those who are well have no need for a physician. But those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous. Now, say the righteous. This is important. Say the righteous. I did not come to call the righteous, but who? Sinners to repentance. So if you are called and you've responded to the call, what will show that you have actually responded to the call is your repentance. You can't say I'm now in church, but I'm still doing those stuff. Then you haven't repented. You are still a sinner. You are still a sinner. And you go to hell. But the ones who have repented, the ones who have responded to the call of God, God doesn't use their past against them. Because he said, no, that's okay, that's okay. Your past is fine. Because I came for the bad guys. Good news for the bad guys. 
Hallelujah. So he said, I came for the... And now he says that the, uh, Christ induced... God induced his in Christ died for the ungodly. It's ah, a serious statement. For when we were yet without strength, what does that mean? When you couldn't... You know, you couldn't do it. In that state, it's not like he's waiting for you to start doing things well. When you couldn't even do anything right. I know I'm talking to somebody. Your life seems to be in a lot of mess. And you, you are sitting here, you feel very dirty. You feel unqualified. You feel helpless. You feel... As for me, I'm not good as these other guys. No, no, no. I have good news for you. You are the one Christ came for. Oh, you are the one. You are the one. Look at somebody, tell the person, you are the one pastor is talking about. He came for the bad guy. Christ died, New Living Translation, Christ died for the ungodly. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at the uh, at just the right time and died for us sinners. Who is the ungodly? The one that is not doing the things of God. The one that is messing up. The one that is sleeping around. The one that is doing drugs. The one that is very bitter, ang ang angry. The one that is insulting church folk. Yeah. You came because of a girl. You came because of a boy. You came. You, you didn't come for Christ. He said, yeah, the bad guy, you. You, you are the one I'm looking for. You. I died for you, I died for you, I died for you. I, died. I know, I know, I know you are here. I know you are here. And you know I'm talking to you. You know it, you know it. But the good news is, don't stay bad. Christ came to die for you. He came to die for you. He came to die for you. He said, when we were without strength, in due time, Christ died for this. Now look at the next verse. We are going to verse 8. That's where we started, isn't it? We will get to verse 8. My message is not starting from verse 8. It's starting from Romans chapter 13, chapter 3, from verse 21. But let's start. So this one, see, that's why I didn't want to go back. And, but you said you like it. Did you? For scarcely for a righteous man. Jesus said he didn't come to save the righteous. Pastor, are you trying to say being righteous is not good for God? Because for scarcely for a righteous man will anyone die. Per adventure, maybe somebody may try to do die for a good person. How much more the bad person? No, no one will die for a bad guy. But Jesus likes the bad guys. Yeah. Like the bad guys. Not because he wants them to be bad. But you see, I said it, I was it last week or a while ago that. Don't, Jesus didn't come to lower God's standard to reduce the, so that everybody could feel comfortable. No. But he came to raise us so that we can meet the standard of God. Yeah. That's our Jesus. That's why he could look at a woman who was supposed to be stoned because she was caught in adultery, the very act. Not only adultery, they said the very act. Yeah. They were spying on her. Those who brought her only God knows what they were watching. The spider, that's, that's why they said the very act. And they were happy talking about the act more than even what the girl has done. Yeah. Jesus, this one was caught in adultery. The very act. We were all spying. Yeah. yeah. And Jesus said, if they cannot condemn you because they 
none of them is without sin. Then you to go. I don't condemn you. But he said, go and sin no more. I didn't come to condemn you. And I didn't come to endorse you. But I came to raise you so you can go and sin no more. The righteous guys. So he says that for a righteous man, someone might scarcely die. Uh, uh, no, no one will die. Is that for, scarcely for a righteous someone will die. Per adventure, yeah, per adventure for a good man, someone might dare to die. The next verse. That's where the bad, you remember? So it's the contrary. On the contrary, we. This is how God demonstrated his love towards us. God demonstrated his love towards us in that whilst we were, watch this, watch this, watch this. Some of you missed the key word, still. You have not finished, though. You haven't stopped. You were still in the act of stealing, of doing something bad, of lying, of cheating, of being hateful. Uh, bitter, all kinds of things, gossiping, pulling people down. You are still doing it. You don't care. You are a bad guy. You are still doing it. And then Christ, rather, they are about to hit you. And they say, don't kill me. Kill me. Ah! Get away. Let me deal with this bad guy. No, no. What kind of love is this? God said, you want me to show you how I love you? I will, I will die when you haven't even started doing good to me. I will die... Watch this. I will die for you who is hurting me. I will die for you to show you. So God demonstrated his love. So there are things that God puts on display. When you see the cross, it's the display of the love of God for the sinner who will come to him. The one who will not come to him, you will burn in hell because he gave you the chance. So Say demonstration. demonstration. Say display. display. Say manifestation. manifestation. So God displayed. God demonstrated. God showed forth. He showed forth his own love. So here we see what is, what, what is on display here. What? I can't hear you. Louder. But in the Bible, it's not only God's love that has also been demonstrated. There's something else that has also been demonstrated, which is in Romans chapter 3. We are going to verse 26. Our final stop is verse 26, but I think we have to drop some people in the verse, verse 21, the second stop of verse 22, third stop verse 23, fourth stop verse 24. And then the final stop will be verse 26. Okay, so but now, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. We know this from last week, right? It's revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus to all, who, uh, to all, to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory. All have sinned. Say all have sinned. That's why Jesus couldn't come to save the righteous because there was none righteous. Yeah, there's none. No, not one. In verse 11, look at verse 11. Verse 11 says that there is no one, uh, none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. 
There's none. There's none. Verse 19 says that um, God will want to stop everybody's mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth will be what? Stopped. You can't boast before God. And all the world will become, watch this, all the world will become what? Guilty before God. So now, if anyone will be saved, everyone is guilty. So how can we save ourselves then? I'm owing the bank. You are owing the bank. How can I say I'm coming to Maybe I have not paid my own. How can I come and pay you? So everyone, so we need someone who is not guilty. Who is righteous. Who is free. Free from sin. Bible says that our, our high priest, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26, I think so. Yeah, verse 26. Hebrews 7, verse 26. For such a high priest is fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefined, separated from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. He's, he's, he's separated from sinners. He doesn't have sin. But we are all sinful. And someone needs to pay for our sins. So you need a sinless person. That is why you could not born ordinarily like you and I were born. Because we are not sinners because we haven't sinned. We are sinners uh, we are because we have sinned. We are sinners, I told you last week, because we were born sinners. So then everyone who comes through the female canal and through the fellowship between a male and a female, you are born in the same way. You carry Adam's nature. So Jesus couldn't come and also come the same way. Then he's also automatically a sinner. And a sinner cannot save sinners. A criminal cannot build criminals. So he has to be spotless, sinless. So by virtue of his birth, he was sinless. That is why it was necessary to have a virgin birth. The virgin birth, the seed didn't come from Adam. The seed came from God. Because Adam came directly from God. The second Adam must also come directly from God. But he will, he will come through the canal, the natural canal. So God had to breathe himself into a woman. And the woman conceived. And when the woman conceived, nine months later, a child was born. Who is not the son of Joseph? Even though people thought that was Joseph's son, God, there was never once in the Bible where the angel told Joseph and your son. He said, take the, 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 the child and his mother. Never was Joseph referred by the scriptures as the father of Jesus. Because Jesus has his father. His father, he said, I and my father are one. He is the son of God. He is the eternal son of God. He is the son of God, the son of man. He is God and his man. He is our savior. He died to be the mediator between God and man. Jesus I'm talking about. So he cannot be born like everybody was born. He needed the virgin birth so he can have an exclusive humanity and so even though he was 100% human, there was something about his humanity that wasn't human there was some godness about his humanity God in the flesh because he is the son of God the seed came from God, so like my father is called Mr. Entry and so I'm called David Entry Jesus is, can, cannot be called Jesus Joseph he is Jesus God because God is his father God is his father, shout hallelujah, hallelujah. and this Jesus Jesus came and not just lived a short life and went, came and met all the righteous standards of God. So he lived a certain pure life, but all of us were sinners. Now with his, sit down, with his pure life, what happened to him? So now back to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned, say all. And are falling short of the glory of God. Now, 24 is getting interesting. Last, uh, a few stops to the final destination. 
Be, being justified, talking about we human beings, being justified, that word freely is important. You didn't have to pay for it. Okay? So when they tell you, you have to do this so God can forgive you, you have to, you have to give this amount of money. You have to buy a building for the church. You have to, so for God to forgive you, forget it. God doesn't need it. The forgiveness we get from God is free. Free. Say free. free. Being justified freely, how? By the grace of God, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So, come. So, let's say he's Christ Jesus. There is redemption inside Christ Jesus. And we are justified freely through the redemption. Redemption is, okay, uh, that's another theological word. Re- what's redemption? So when you, um, how many of you have gone to the, have, do you know about the porn, is it porn crackers or porn crackers? <laughs> I think I'm hungry, that's why. Porn, porn shop. You are hard up, you don't have money. You really need money to pay something. And so you have a gold watch. And then you take it to their pawn shop, and then they give you the value of the watch is thousand pounds. And then you take it to them, and they give you seven hundred pounds, right? And then later on, it's yours, but it's now it's kind of on display for sale. Later on, you get they are selling it for nine hundred now. You get the money, you have nine hundred. You go, and you, it does not just buy. You go and redeem it. So to redeem is something that belongs to you and is gone, and you go and pay a price. There cannot be redemption without a price paid. Okay, so you have to pay a price to redeem. Now, we were redeemed by Christ. We were in the hands of the justice of God. Not the devil, not the devil. Not the devil. The devil got access because God had a problem with us. So we were outside of the garden of God, so Satan could get us. But what we were owing, we were not in captivity to the devil is the justice of God that we were, we were owing. And so, because of the justice of God, we were like criminals against the justice of God. And for us to be redeemed from that judgment, somebody had to redeem us, pay the price. So Jesus had to come and pay the price to redeem us, not from the devil, but from the justice of God. That's very important. So that there is now, Romans 8, 1, there is now no more condemnation to those who are in Christ. Because you have been redeemed from the justice of God. For the judgment, the justice. So he says that being redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of Christ, he paid his blood. He says that in fact, 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 6, verse 20, he said you are not redeemed by corruptible things like flesh. Uh, 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 you, you are not bought. Put your 2 Corinthians. Are you put it? But you were bought, bought at a price. Therefore glorify. Go to the verse 19, sorry. Verse 19. Uh, don't you know that? All right, then let's go to First Peter chapter one, rather verse eighteen and nineteen. I think that is better. That will make for you were not redeemed. What's this? Knowing that you were not redeemed, say redeemed, redeemed. with corruptible things like so, you, not physical money. Gold and silver stands for physical money. Now, what was used to redeem us was not physical money, okay? Because those things can perish. Redeemed by, by silver, silver and gold from your aimless conduct received from your from tradition uh, received by tradition from your fathers. But what? Look at the next verse. But with what? The precious blood of Christ. How were we redeemed? With the precious. So First Corinthians six twenty says you were bought at a price. That's important. You, we have been bought. Bought is there? For you were bought. Somebody bought you. Somebody paid and bought you. 
You are bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your, this, your body. How can you live anyhow and say, I'm a Christian? It doesn't matter. It matters. Glorify God in your body. Because you have been bought at a price. Somebody paid a high price. His blood, his life, he laid down his life so you can be free and serve God. Wow. Bought at a price. Now watch this. So because we are bought at the price, fact, come in, come in, let me tell you again about the bought. So fact, Acts, 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 Acts chapter, chapter 20, verse, verse 28. It says that, take it to yourself and to the sheep over which the Holy Ghost has made you over here, which God, or see, and shepherd the church, the church, which he, the church of God, which what? How did he purchase it? God purchased the church with his own blood. The blood of God. God purchased the church. That's what we are bought. So that's what redemption means. Okay. So now, Romans, back in Romans chapter 3, it's verse 24. Watch this. Being justified freely by the grace through the redemption that is in. Now you know what redemption means. There is, tell somebody there's redemption in Christ Jesus. You are having nightmares. Satan is harassing your life. You can be bought back. You can be redeemed. You can be re- Satan is harassing your life because you are outside of the jurisdiction of divine protection. So he's getting access. That's why you have so much nightmares and attacks and all kinds of things happening to your life. But you can be redeemed. Hallelujah. Bible says that he has redeemed us. Colossians chapter 1 verse, verse 12 and verse 10. He has redeemed us from the powers of darkness. Hallelujah. We have been redeemed. He has delivered us. He has delivered us from the powers of darkness and Conveyed us into the kingdom of his son, the son of his love. Shout hallelujah. Verse 14, verse 14. He has into that. In whom we have redemption, how? Through this blood. And we have forgiveness of sin. Redemption and forgiveness of sin. Now watch this. When you are redeemed, God can't remember your sins anymore. And it's your sin that puts you at loggerheads with God. And Satan uses your sin against you. But Jesus paid the blood, he paid the price with his blood to save us from the judgment of God and to cleanse us from our sins. And now when God looks at you, you are so innocent. You are so righteous. So then God gives you the righteousness of Jesus. Now I'm going somewhere, I'll be ending very soon. So when you become born again, God gives you the righteousness of Jesus. Where did he get it from? He lived a certain life. He never made any one mistake. Jesus never, there's nobody who can prove that Jesus made a mistake. Nobody. No, 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 no record anywhere. Jesus never made any mistake. Not one. He was perfect. In fact, one day he said, which of you can convict me of sin? I, I bet you can't say that to a lot of people. You can't say how many of you can tell can say you've seen me any wrong with me. Ah, you can't say that too. Jesus asked them, John chapter 8, which of you convicts me of sin? Which of you? So if you say everything I said, uh, everything I be, every behavior I did was clean, there's nothing wrong, then the things I'm saying, believe it, I'm not lying. Why are you not believing me? If you know you can't convict me of sin, why are you not believing me? Because I won't say anything wrong. I will only say the truth. I'm teaching you some stuff, isn't it? So, Jesus was sinless and he lived 33 years of sinlessness. Wow! 
And such a sinless person, Pontius Pilate said, I find no fault in him. The thief said, hey, why are you insulting him? Because he's not, he's not done anything wrong. Even the criminal on the cross, no, he has not done anything wrong. The centurion who killed him said, this one is righteous. They're really the holy son of God. The Pontius Pilate who killed him said, I find no fault in him. Then they asked him, what, what accusation do you bring again? They didn't have any charge against him. Jesus was just sinless. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 21, the Bible says that God made him who knew no sin. To become sinful. Oh. God, he, he, for God made Jesus, him, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. What does it mean? Not to be a sinner. Please. He was not a sinner. He was sin. So then, when you put, how many of you have seen coal before? Coal. Oh, yeah. You put it in the fireplace, like barbecue. Put in, after, the fire is hot, afterwards, it's not coal, it's fire you see. So the whole thing has then turned into fire. Jesus Christ was on the cross. They put our sins on him. When you see him, God said, that's sin. That's why God turned his face. He said, oh God, why do you turn our face away? Because God cannot take sin. God turned his face. And that's the only thing Jesus feared on earth. God turned his face. So God made him who knew no sin. He was sinless. To be sin. Why? For us. Not for him. It's there in your Bible. He became sin for us. Why? So that we, uh-oh, we, uh-oh, we. So there, on the cross, there was a great exchange. So that is a sinner. Come. It's called the vicarious death. Vicarious means in the place of another. It's not your own, but for some. So vicarious death of Christ. He died in our place. So this is, um, okay, yeah. This is Christ, and this is the sinner. The, ju- the judgment of God stand behind him. Okay, you are the sinner. Please come. Okay, you want the sinner. Okay, so you stay here. So I'm the judgment of God. The justice of God is coming. Where is it against a sinner? When you sin, you are standing in the firing line of the justice of God. Because God is righteous. The things I'm going to be teaching, I didn't even teach you. Because Isaiah chapter 32 verse 1 talks about God's, the foundation of God's throne is righteousness and justice. Yeah. In, in, in Okay, it's rather Psalm. Psalm 89 verse 14. Uh, let me jump into that. Psalm 89 verse 14. The foundation. Behold, the king will reign. Psalm 89 verse 14, please. Yes. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Righteousness and justice. Mercy and truth go before your face. Psalm, Psalm 97 verse 2. Psalm 97 verse 2. Whew, thank you, Jesus. Clouds and darkness around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. So you can't, you can't sin and God say it doesn't matter. Because the foundation of his throne is justice. So all those them Hitlers and that guys, God will deal with them. You can't die and go free. No, God is a God of justice. And the foundation of his throne is righteousness and justice. And Isaiah chapter 32 verse 1, that's why I quoted earlier on. Isaiah said, behold, a king will reign in righteousness and prince rule with justice. God has to reign in righteousness, in justice. Now, so, the justice of God is against the sinner. So the next time you are fornicating, remember you have put yourself in line of the justice of God. I have good news for you. Wow. What's the good news? If you repent, 
suddenly you come under the cover of the blood of Christ. So the justice that is meant to come to you comes to Christ on the cross. So now, this is the sinner. And the justice of God was coming, ready. And then Jesus stands in the way. And then he takes it. And then you go. And then he takes Jesus' righteousness. So when you are a Christian and you are in Christ, Christ on the cross takes your sin. And then he gives you his righteousness. So that when you, you can go in the name of, that's why we pray in the name of Jesus. Because if you go in your own name, it's not good. Is that man? <laughs> Don't go in your father's name. Go in the name of Jesus. So the justice of God, Jesus took the pain and then we take, Jesus took the pain and we take the pleasure. Now, let me finish the Romans chapter 13. Quickly, Romans chapter 13. Being justified freely through the grace, of, uh, grace uh, by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now watch this. The next verse. Whew. Who God set forth, watch this, this is important. God set him forth as, oh, another word, I won't have time to explain, propitiation. Okay, you, let me tell you what propitiation is, quickly. Do you know what propitiation is? Like, it's really upset me. And then he comes, he's taking my thousand pounds, he's really ruined it. And I must say, and I said, no, 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 don't worry, I'm giving you 100,000. 100, That's propitiation. He has given me. Pro- okay, so appeasement. To pla- 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 placate, appease somebody. You know, so that's propitiation. God, Christ had to propitiate God. And God said, Leave me, let me destroy people. God says, okay. Christ says, Okay, let your, just, let your anger turn away from them. It's okay. God said, ah, I love you again. I'm happy for you. Ah, the same person, yes, because Christ has appeased God. You know, when someone breaks your heart, and. <laughs> When that bad guy hates you so much, and then later on, somebody who is rich is good, great. He said, I love you. You know what? The one who broke your heart, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So that's appeasement, propitiation. So now, now, let's read it again. A lot of Christians don't know this. You guys are blessed. I'm teaching you so much. To him whom much is given. Whom God, that's talking about Jesus, God set forth as a propitiation, how? By his blood. So when he shed his blood, God, God's justice was appeased. Because just for the foundation of his throne is justice and righteousness. His justice was appeased. God was happy. And now we get it through faith. Now watch this. God set, set forth as propitiation by his blood. Through faith, so it only is applicable when you put your faith in Jesus. The one who hasn't put his faith in Jesus, this is not applicable to you. You will die and go to hell with elevator. (laughs) Or escalator. (laughs) Watch this. Another demonstration has showed up here. To demonstrate God's righteousness. Now, that's where I'm ending. I spoke about the demonstration of the love of God. Now we can see something else was, something else was in display. That's the righteousness of God. Because the foundation of his throne is righteousness and justice. God has to do right. 
You are owing me. Somebody has come to pay the price. I have to do right to demonstrate that, listen, I will forgive you because I'll do the right. Someone has paid already, so you don't owe me again. So God loving us and forgiving us was his righteousness because of the blood of Christ that had redeemed us. God has to demonstrate that, listen, I'm doing the right thing by forgiving these people. So he set, Jesus Christ's blood was set for as propitiation to redeem us or, uh, so that through faith, God would demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed. He's righteous. He can't hold your sin against you. That's why I said there's good news for the bad guys. Some of you, you are bad. You know, no, no, I'm not trying to insult you. I'm just telling you what you know. You are a really bad guy. And your bad is with a very big bar, uh, be like a balloon. Bad guy. But guess what? Guess what? Christ has taken your place. And so, and so, if you can say, Jesus, I believe in you. Suddenly, he takes your place and you take his place. And then, People who you've done things against and they were not happy, they think God will kill you. God is rather blessing you. And they are upset. They are waiting for you to go down and rather you are going up. Why? Why? And they come to God. God, why are you doing this? I have to be righteous. I have to write because he's in Christ. I have to be righteous because the foundation of my throne is righteousness and justice. I have to do what is right. I can't hold it against him. Even though I understand you, sorry, may you can also come out and forgive you if you are in Christ. And God said, I have to be righteous. I have to be righteous. So some of you, you are still sitting here and you are bitter against somebody who is potentially getting born again. You are wasting your breath. God will lift them. God will bless them. And you'll be waiting till the day they fall. Rather, you see them flying till the day you fall. God bless you for listening to this message. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and visit www.caris.org for videos and upcoming events. Remember, be a doer of the word and not just a hearer.